0: semester, as you guys I think all know, we've been going through Philippians, and this is the last part of Philippians. Like we're finishing it tonight. and uh, the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at some other important stuff. But uh, we're going to wrap up Philippians tonight, and if you've been coming here, you know that Philippians is this letter that Paul wrote to this church that he started in a place called Philippi in Greece, and he's writing from prison in Rome, and, uh, which is remarkable because of how much rejoicing he does in this letter. He says joy or rejoicing like a thousand times in this short letter. He can't stop rejoicing, and so we've called this series Joy in a World Gone Flat because uh, we lack joy often in our lives and in this world that we live in. And so we've been looking to this letter to equip us for life in God's world and to be joyful. And tonight we cap it off by finishing the letter. So uh, let me read it for us and we'll uh, think about it for a bit together. Uh, So Philippians 4, 10 through 23. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me Uh, Father, as we look at your word, would you show us your truth, and would your truth set us free, we pray in Christ's name, amen. If you were here last week, we looked at this passage that was kind of Paul's real, these are like concluding greetings that we read tonight, but there was this real kind of conclusion element of last week's passage where Paul uh, told these Philippian Christians to stand firm. And he told them to rejoice. And he we contrasted rejoicing with anxiety. And we talked about how uh, anxiety is the thief of joy. And we talked about how the gospel can set us free for, from anxiety. And this week, as Paul wraps up his letter, he begins. It, it's it's a word of thanks to these. The, the Philippians have sent him stuff like this. Like they sent him a care package to prison in Rome and he's this whole letter has been a response to what they have sent him so he concludes by giving thanks but in the kind of tucked in there in this word of thanks uh, he seizes on this opportunity to show where he finds contentment and it's so important because we struggle with contentment right humanity has always struggled with contentment uh, in all times Uh, the philosopher Immanuel Kant who lived hundreds of years ago said this he said Give a man whatever he desires, and in that very moment, he will feel that everything is not everything. See what he's saying? So once you have everything, you realize it's not everything. Uh, Or later on, the American, the first millionaire in the world, John John D. Rockefeller, uh, said this. Someone asked him, how much money is enough? And he said, just a little bit more. Not to mention, like, the billion examples of, like, modern-day discontentment. Like, I don't know, the college admissions scandals that have been going on where these, like, these people that have it all, they're successful, they're wealthy, they're good-looking, but it's not enough unless their kids get into the best schools, right? And so, uh, you know, we read countless accounts of celebrity collapse, right? The richest people, the most famous people, the most beautiful people collapsing, ending up in rehab. Um, So many modern examples of being discontent uh, no matter what we have. And we live in this time where there's all these options like discontentment is so hard for us today because there's so many options it's like do i have the right you know i'm dating someone but are they the right person because there's a billion people in the world i could date because of the internet and how connected i am to people or do i live in the right place because there's all these other places i could live or am i studying the right thing because there's all these other options for me and it's hard in college because we live in this transitional time here, where it's hard to, you know, we feel like we're always on the move and there's no time for contentment. Not to mention that many of you are facing extremely challenging and sad life situations that are extraordinarily challenging and they... they they challenge us in this area of contentment. And so tonight, I want us to think about contentment. I want to start out by thinking, by looking at what Paul says that contentment really is. And the first thing we find out about contentment is that it's something that is learned. In verse 11, he says, I have learned in whatever situation to be content. And it's a way of saying, like, it does, it's not something that, like, we can't, like, come in here not content and hear something and be like, all right, I'm content now. Like, it's something that we learn. And if you know Paul's biography, then you know, you get a sense of how he learned it because Paul is a man who has suffered greatly. Uh, he's been shipwrecked multiple times, which means, like, sometimes spending days out in the, like, Mediterranean Sea, like, holding onto a piece of wood hoping that someone rescued him. Uh, He's been stoned, whipped, uh, beaten. Uh, He's been imprisoned multiple times. And so he's someone who has endured a lot, and in the process, he's learned uh, contentment. Uh, So it's something that we learn. It's something that life, uh, if we follow Jesus, can teach us. uh, But it's hard to develop. It's a challenge to develop. And it's also... The kind of key thing about it is that it's not dependent on our life circumstances, our life conditions. He says, I've learned in whatever situation to be content. And we all want this really bad, right? Wouldn't it be great in any situation? Like, you don't have to be a Christian to want this. Everybody wants this. But it, it eludes us. So I want us to think now, that's that's kind of what we're talking about, contentment. That's what we want. That's what it is. And I want us to think about some strategies that we use uh, for contentment, our strategies for contentment. Uh, one of which is denial. Uh, this, Or we call it wishful thinking. So this is like, you know, I did horrible on this last test, but like it's probably going to be better next time. And it's like, uh, I don't know. Like... <laughs> I don't know about that. You know, like, it's like, you know, it's wishful thinking. Uh, Have you guys seen that movie, Monty Python and the Holy Grail? Anybody? It's this old movie. And uh, one of the famous scenes in it is there's this sword fight. And this knight keeps on getting, he gets like his arm cut off. And he like... And the guy who cuts his arm off, like pray, he's like starts praying because he thinks he's killed this guy. And the guy stands up and starts fighting him with the other hand. He cuts off the arm, and, and he starts kicking him, and he won't. You know, it's this picture of denial, and he's like, and it doesn't end until he's this like bloody stump of a man, <laughs> shouting at this guy as he runs away. Right? This is denial. This is wishful thinking. Uh, we do it often. Uh, another thing we do, strategy for contendment, is distraction going down the black hole of YouTube videos just to escape, right? Or picking up the smartphone and for the sole purpose of like, I need to be somewhere else or I need to be just like thinking about something else. Uh, The Netflix screen, you know how they start like the next episode of Netflix, like like they give you like three seconds to decide and you get sucked in that way, right? We love to distract ourselves as a way of kind of trying to find contentment. Uh, Similarly, uh, numbing behavior. Uh, Numbing behavior is numbing. It makes us, we pursue things that make us not feel. Uh, Alcohol, drugs, anything we do to feel good. Pornography, uh, escape and numbing kind of go hand in hand, right? And there are these ways where we're just like, you know, I want to feel better. Uh, other ways we kind of strive for contentment is just like put on a happy face, toughen up. It'll be okay, it is what it is, it's fine, let's go, press on. Uh, another way we, uh, another strategy for contentment is comparison. Uh, this is So this actually seems kind of like a nice thing to do. We say, well, you know, I'm not like a poor, starving person in Africa, right? Uh, Someone's got it worse than me. Which is, it sounds very noble on the surface, but uh, it's not actually seeking after contentment. It's just, it's not dealing with what the problem is. It's just kind of another way of of avoiding. Another way we deal with, another strategy for contentment is we change our circumstances, right? Uh, Maybe if I... Move to a new place. Maybe if I study something else. Maybe if I get new friends. Maybe if you know, whatever. If I get away from my family uh, I'll be, all these things we change our circumstances, seeking contentment. Or another way we can do it is accept our discontentment. Uh, I don't know if anybody here is into gardening. I'm kind of an amateur gardener so it's springtime now, which is gardening. It's almost springtime. uh, It's the beginning of gardening season, and for me, I just have a couple little, like, plots where I plant things, flowers or vegetables and stuff, and at the beginning of the year, I'm very meticulous about p- pulling the weeds up. Like, I want it to look, like, pristine in there. Like, if there's a weed, I'm going to get it. But the problem is, weeds are, like, r- relentless. Like, they don't stop, and they get war Like, as the summer goes on, like, if it's a rainy summer, like, they, like, you can't stand, and so... As the summer goes on, I gradually kind of just like let it go, give up a little bit. I'm like, it's okay. And the thing is, it's not okay. Like, it bothers me still, but like, I've given up. And with that, that's bitterness. That's not contentment, that's coldness. I've grown cold toward it. Uh, that's cynicism. And that's another strategy. All these are strategies that we have for contentment. To be, how can I be? How can I find contentment in this world? And thankfully, because none of those actually work, uh, thankfully for us, Paul actually gives us the secret of contentment in this passage. And he alludes to it at the beginning. He's like, you know, I'm going to tell you the secret. And then he finally tells us. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This might be the most... Quoted verse in the whole Bible. Uh, when I was growing up, one of my best friends had a poster on his wall. A friend of mine from church, and it was a poster of like a baseball player, like hitting a home run, and along those top corners, it's like, "I can do all things through Him who strengthens me," Philippians 4:13. That's a verse that sports teams actually use a lot. Like if they have any kind of Christian influence, it's like, and we use this verse to say, like, through Christ, I can win. I can conquer. I can win through Christ. And the problem is, if you look at the kind of thing that Paul is talking about, that idea doesn't fit. Like, it's kind of the opposite of that. It's like, through Christ, I can lose. And I'll be okay. Through Christ, I can be a failure. And it won't kill me. Through Christ, I can be a nobody because my contentment does not rest on being somebody. My contentment does not rest on being a conqueror, a victor, and winning. Those things are not the basis of my contentment. And the irony as we approach life this way is that true contentment can actually make you more likely to win because the pressure is now off. You know, you don't, like, when, the pre- when you do a lot better on, say, like, a test if you're not, like, you know, overcome with anxiety and pressure about it, right? When you're free. And so the, the irony is that, like, when you're okay with losing, you actually become more likely to win, uh, I don't know if any of you followed the men's basketball tournament that just ended the other night. I was watching a bunch of the games, and the University of Virginia won. And this was this remarkable story because last year, uh, UVA's team had the most humiliating loss in the history of basketball. Uh, the tournament is, they rank all the teams 1 through 16, so there's four brackets. Uh, ranked 1 through 16 and so like in the first round 16 plays 1 so the worst team plays the best and last year UVA was the best team uh, a 16 seed has never in the history of basketball been a 1 seed until last year when UVA showed up and got beaten in, in this historically embarrassing way and uh, this year they won the they came back and they won the whole thing and i kind of have a man crush on their coach tony bennett for a lot of he's amazing but uh he's got it all uh but he's he's out, he's a christian actually and uh he said this you know he he Several of his players are Christians as well, and he coaches them kind of from a Christian perspective. And uh, the other night after they won the championships, a reporter was asking him like, about the last year when they were humiliated, and he said this. He said, I'm thankful in a way for what happened last year uh, because it drew me closer, most importantly, to my faith in the Lord. Just because you realize what's unconditional In these spots when the world's telling you you're a failure, you're a loser, and you're the worst thing going, and all that stuff, you say, okay, what really matters? And the amazing thing was his team embraced, like, this whole season they embraced this message, what really matters, not basketball. When they went into this high-pressure situation, uh, what really matters, not basketball, and their team hit like something like 14 free throws in a row, and you know free throws are this easy shot, but when the pressure is on, like people tend to collapse and miss, and uh, they couldn't be phased by the pressure of the moment because they didn't need it. It wasn't their everything. Uh, another uh, a book I read a, little, a couple weeks ago is this book called The Hardest Piece. It's by Kara Tippett. And it's available for under a dollar on Amazon Kindle. So if you're a Kindle person, you need to read this book. It's a story of this woman. She writes it as she's dying. Just a couple years ago, she wrote this book. She's a pastor's wife. She's got a bunch of little kids. And she gets cancer. And... Uh, she just writes about how she's dealing with it. And it's amazing the way she writes. And there's actually a documentary, a movie that's also out called The Long Goodbye that's also about her life, uh, Kara Tippetts. And the way she writes is amazing because she's... She has contentment. And so she writes like, you know, I never thought my story would be like this. You know, I never thought that God's good plan included cancer. I never thought God's good plan included my husband not having a wife and my kids not having a mom. Like, but what's not there is bitterness. What's not there is God, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you changing this? Uh, What's there is contentment. We struggle with this, right? It's easy to say you should be content, but it's hard to live. Uh, yesterday, the, the guys in our guys Bible study will remember this. We kind of talked about this. Like, uh, it's easy to believe that God is love when you don't need him. Like, but when it's like when it feels like he's not, it's really hard. Like, when life really gets tough, that's when contentment is really hard because it goes against everything. It goes against every, like, this idea goes against everything the world says about what you need. Like, contentment is circumstances in our world. And what Paul and and what Jesus and what the whole Bible says is that our circumstances are never the problem. Not to say that they're not difficult and hard and uh, that a lot of them don't grieve God intensely, but our circumstances are not the problem. The problem is us, we're the problem. Our sin, in particular, is the problem. And our sin is that we look to everywhere but Jesus to be strengthened. I wonder tonight, what are you looking to? Like, I can do all things through what that gives me strength. What is it for you that you're looking to? And how is it stealing all your joy? Maybe it's circumstances, you know? Things are looking up. My future is looking bright. Uh, Maybe it's relationships. And incidentally, this is why we stay in bad relationships, because we think, like, well, this relationship, it's not the best, but I want a relationship, so, you know, if I end this relationship, maybe I won't ever find anything better. And what that means is we're looking to relationships for contentment. I can do all things through a relationship that gives me strength. Or maybe we look to reputation. Maybe we look to success. I can do all things through status that gives me strength. And what you need to see is these things can't bring contentment because like Coach Tony Bennett said, they're all conditional. They all depend on you showing up and doing it right. And if you fail, they're over. They're all conditional. Uh, one of the things my son Asher, who's uh, he's just you know two years old and fun little kid, and he loves to make little towers out of these magnet tiles we have, and uh, so he's always like, "Daddy, build a tower." And uh, so we build towers, and the thing about these towers, like, I put a lot of, when I, I'm I'm like, I'm going to do this right, and we're going to, like, make this look good, this tower, and the thing about building with Asher is that, like, at any moment, whether you spent, like, you could have spent, like, 15 minutes building this tower, and he'll just be, like, for fun, just, like, smash, you know, it's gone, and, like, it's, you know, I have to be, like, this isn't about you, (laughs) it's about him, Right, but it's so you know, you put time and energy, you do it just right, and it, he comes along and it's just like bam, gone, start over. Okay, if you look outside of Jesus for strength, your whole life will be like that. It will all be on the verge. Of collapse. Okay, I've been doing Ruf. Uh, at UConn has existed for 15 years. Did you know that this is my eighth year? And somebody uh, before me, Joseph Pensack, who some of you met at Fall Conference a few years ago, uh, was here for seven years before that. And I know a lot of those students from back in the day. I know obviously the ones that have been around in my eight years. And I just got to tell you guys, like, some people who sat in these seats are dead some people who sat in these seats lost their spouse. Some people who sat in these seats are now single mothers. Some people who sat in these seats had parents that died totally out of the blue. Uh, Some people who sat in these seats had their spouses abandon them. And it happens really quick. So none of those things can be your contentment because they can be gone just like that. Okay, So how can Jesus bring contentment then? Jesus can bring contentment because he knows how screwed up you are and he still wants you. He knows how rebellious your heart is and he still wants you. And not only that, he has secured us He died to secure us in his love. That's what the cross is about a permanent securing of his love for messed up people, for people who find their contentment elsewhere and do it again and again and again, act foolishly. He secures us with his love on the cross. And the epitome of that is Paul. Like Paul, who wrote this letter. Do you remember his story? The short story is he hated Jesus. Like no one who lived hated Jesus more than Paul. No one who lived like hated Christians more than Paul did until he met Jesus face to face after Jesus had risen from the dead and found to his surprise that Jesus wanted him. I wonder, what is it that you've done that you think has disqualified you from the love of Jesus so that you look all these other places for contentment all these places that are not him for contentment He still wants you like Jesus calls us his friends by the way he also made us you know he's the one we were made for this is better news than any, like there's no better news than this After all we've done to get away from him, he still wants us. Not to mention, he secured eternity with him. Eternal riches, eternal bliss, eternal relationships, the best party and feasting imaginable. That's what Christians have in store. That's why we can be content uh, no matter what we face. And so I want to just close tonight by thinking about the practice of contentment. So how can we live this? Like, What can we put into practice as we think about contentment? And I want us to see uh, just a few thing that, things that Paul does around the idea of gratitude. Uh, at the end of this passage, uh, first of all, he notices what others are doing for him. Like, He's in prison. He doesn't have to notice it. His life situation is pretty bad. But he notices what other people are doing for him, and he's thankful. Uh, he also notices uh, what others are doing for God. So he's saying, like, what I really care about is, like, it's so great that you guys are doing stuff for God. And finally, he notices what God is doing for all of us. Uh, so he's cultivating gratitude. And it would be worth our while to cultivate gratitude, times of gratitude, reflection on gratitude, gratitude in our own lives. Uh, I heard a story that there's a old preacher in London, 1800s preacher. His name was Charles Spurgeon. And uh, he tells a story about visiting a poor person in London one time. So he's in a poor section of London and he passes by a window and there's this poor old woman sitting there in her apartment. And all that's there in her apartment is a table a chair and a single coal in the fire and she has a single little piece of bread to eat for lunch and as he's wa- he hears her pray before she eats and this is what her prayer was she says all this and Jesus too all this and Jesus too Why could she say that? Because Jesus is everything. He's the security, like the eternal security, the only thing you need, the best possible gift, the thing you were made for, and he gives himself freely to the point where we can say, while we suffer, hmm, all this and Jesus too? Let's close and pray that God would make us people that are like that. Uh, Father, we... Uh, look everywhere but you uh, to your son for contentment. And so we pray uh, that you would change us because all the places we look just dry us up, Lord. Uh, They don't actually bring contentment, at least not lasting contentment. And so I pray that we would be able to face all of life uh, because we were strengthened by Jesus, strengthened by his love, uh, strengthened by knowing that we are secure and have his presence with us forever. Change us, we pray, in Christ's name. Amen.